Welcome to Settle Smart, a podcast where we talk about how an injured person can build a safe and secure financial future after a legal settlement. You'll hear stories from people who structured their settlement money tax-free, along with the professionals who create a custom solution that brings peace of mind. This podcast is brought to you by the National Structured Settlements Trade Association, a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating and advocating for injured people. Now we'll turn it over to our Settle Smart podcast host, Executive Director Eric Vaughn. Hi, this is Eric Vaughn. I'm the Executive Director of the National Structured Settlements Trade Association. And today I am sincerely thrilled and honored um, to have on our uh, podcast somebody I, I consider to be a, just a hero um, uh, for the structured settlements industry. He's also probably without question um, our greatest living resource of, of success and background information and, and positive information. He's a former member of the board of directors. He's currently a vice chair um, of the IFS group. And he is a structured settlement consultant uh, with Arcadia. Uh, you probably all know by now I'm talking about John McCullough. John, welcome. It's great to have you here on the podcast. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate uh, the, the opportunity to be here. I love the introductions. They're great. <laughs> you know, it, it, I went back um, because our subject today um, is something um, some people know a little about, a few people know a lot about, and then there's you, John, and you seem to know a lot about um, this subject, um, but not just about the substance of uh, Genworth and the Genworth uh, Oceanwide merger. I wanna talk about this, but its implications and impact um, on our industry, structural settlements industry. Let me start out with this. Um, can you tell us, just quick for our audience, um, if you had to describe the Genworth Oceanwide merger issue, you know, in a minute or less, just, just to give us the highlights, what is it about the Genworth Oceanwide merger matter that matters to the structured settlements industry? So uh, I don't know how quickly I can do this, but I will try. Uh, so Genworth, uh, the company formerly known as uh, GE Capital, uh, is the consolidation for the, in terms of the structured settlement industry of First Colony, um, one of the original entrants in our space, GE Capital, uh, GNA, Life of Virginia, might be one other life insurance company. But it is an enormous block of structured settlements. It was active in the structured settlement industry as a provider from roughly 1981 to 2006. So anything that happens to that company, even though they're not actively writing, matters. 10 billion is, a, is, a, is an enormous block of uh, structured settlement payees. Um, part of the legal committees uh, and the board of directors uh, task is to monitor things. You know, it's right there in the NASTA bylaws, protect and grow the structured settlement business. And, this falls squarely in protect. So uh, Genworth wrote uh, a lot of long-term care business in, that in the 90s, and that business began to erode. Um, long-term care uh, seemed like a good business. Um, people started living longer. Um, long-term care expenses went up. Uh, medical science advanced. 
so it became a problematic block of business. So uh, Genworth started to falter. They started getting downgrades from Best, from Moody's, from S&P. Uh, we became concerned. Genworth is comprised uh, of three, mo- three main companies, uh, Genworth Life Insurance Company uh, in Delaware, uh, or Glick, uh, Genworth Life Insurance and Annuity uh, Company in Virginia, or GLIAC, that's where the structures are, and uh, Genworth Life Insurance Company in New York, uh, or Glickney, uh, which also has long-term care business like Glick. So Glick, Glack, and Glickney. Sounds like a, a making. <laughs> Um, Glick uh, began, began struggling financially. Um, Genworth, uh, as your ratings go down, your ability to generate capital uh, becomes more problematic. And uh, as you know, Eric, NAST has always been the guardian. Uh, the industry took steps to protect the industry after executive life, after Elney, after Confed, after Monarch, after Alliance. So this falls squarely uh, and what we do, it's why you pay dues, right? So it's one of those, it is actually one of those issues in a, in a, in a string um, of, of activity where the structured settlement, uh, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with the work that went into it. But for a lot of economic pressures and outside influences, these companies fail. And when they fail, and if they do fail, they can bring down, drag down um, the structure of the business that's inside of that block. Do you have a rough idea of how many uh, structured settlements or the valuation of the settlements that we might you might be working uh, with with uh, GE Capital with Genworth? It's probably around uh, ten thousand measuring lives, ten billion dollars uh, in assets. Um, but as, as we'll talk about a little later, I think we're through that. Uh, any concern. And, and again, uh, I just want to emphasize this. There's nothing wrong with GLIAC, uh, nothing right. wrong with structures. Um, I regularly look at the 10Ks and the 10Qs. That block uh, has always been profitable, remains profitable. Um, and, and further, the majority of that block is reinsured uh, to a company called UFLIC, uh, which is owned by GE. So 90% of the structures, so everything written before 2004, uh, fully reinsured, um, uh, USFLIC uh, maintains those assets in a trust. Uh, GE has a, what they call a capital maintenance agreement that says we're gonna make sure that there's sufficient money uh, to cover those obligations. Uh, and so if you're looking at what the most problematic uh, part of a structure block would be, it'd be the older stuff, um, but it's fully reinsured. But uh, the block is profitable, continues to be profitable. Um, we're concerned about the sister company, uh, Glick. So now you, um, if I go back through my emails, and that's not a, a, a monumental task, but I did do it today. Um, and the first mention that I have um, from a NASA board-related, um, Genworth-related uh, email message was from uh, January 8th, 2018. Is that when th- you, members of the board, started first to have this on your immediate, we've got to pay attention to this radar? Uh, so we've been paying attention to it since the beginning, going back to 2016. Uh, and it seemed to be moving fine. Uh, Virginia, uh, Fannie Mae, the Fed, uh, various, and New York, a uh, number of entities that approved the merger. 
the merger was good. Uh, China Oceanwide was the acquiring company. They were going to add uh, over a billion in capital. Uh, all good things, um, which gave us uh, a lot of comfort that they were going to help Genworth through a, a difficult patch. Uh, the problem became uh, evident in 2018 when the Delaware regulators uh, refused to approve the merger. Um, the merger, without getting too technical, uh, what Oceanwide wanted to do was de-stack the companies. So instead of them all being under one umbrella, Glick, Gliak, Glickney, say that 10 times fast, uh, <laughs> they wanted them separate. Um, they wanted, and Delaware, uh, understandably so, was concerned that the most problematic part of the company would be off by itself, where uh, it could be just, you know, let go. Um, they wanted the company to stay joined at the hip. Uh, I'm not an M&A person. I can't really comment on, on the wisdom of that. Um, but we certainly understood where the regulators were coming from. They were concerned about uh, a lot of elderly folks in nursing homes who depended on that long-term care payment to uh, take care of themselves. Um, because then they had to redo everything so that there was no unstacking, which re triggered uh, reapprovals. Um, a lot of those reapprovals got done, but before the reapprovals, uh, but other approvals didn't occur before the old reapprovals expired. So it began this never-ending circle of reapproval and expiration and reapproval and expiration. In the meantime, um, the financial situation didn't seem to be getting any better, and we started to, to be a little concerned. Um, and we had learned from NASTA's activities with Confed and Reliance that if we act early, uh, that there's a lot of good we can do. Um, no uh, structured settlement payee suffered anything. Um, and Confed, uh, PAC Life stepped up and took over that block, which was a fantastic thing for PAC Life to do. Uh, with Reliance, you know, Craig Ullman and uh, at Hogan Lovells and uh, the attorneys at Drinker Biddle and Cozen O'Connor uh, had worked along with the life companies to make sure that the Reliance transition was smooth. Um, you know, NASTA did what it's supposed to do, which is to make sure payees are protected. So being aware of it, it, it was important. Uh, and so we began to keep a close watch on it. John, I have to just uh, say something, both as executive director, but also just as a thinking, breathing human being. It's one thing um, to become aware um, of a situation and a concern in 2016, maybe a little earlier, um, and to have that concern get elevated in 2018. Um, you're, you were a member of the board of directors at the time. You brought this to the board's attention. Um, the board reacted, council gets engaged, the association gets um, actively focused, Confed, uh, Reliance, the work we did with Elney. Now um, uh, comes Genworth. Um, this is an extremely powerful message for why people ought to be a member of their own professional industry trade association because you're staying on top of something that is so far out in the distance and looks, it could be problematic, it might not. But Sean, you put an enormous amount of time and energy and effort, you, the board and council. I'm not just tooting your horn right now or the associations, but that's a lot of thoughtful preparation for something that doesn't get a lot of attention. So what was your thinking as a board member 
getting the board engaged, getting the board focused, setting up the Genworth Oceanwide Committee, reaching out to council. That's a lot of work for somebody who has two full-time jobs. Um, well, it, it's, you know, it's why we pay our dues, right? It's, it's why, you know, NASTA exists. It's, it's to protect what we've worked so hard to build. Um, and again, uh, you know, we look at our past successes, which we probably don't talk enough about. Um, but again, I'm thinking back to Reliance where, you know, Len Blonder, uh, I, I went with Len to, to carry his bags, but we, you know, we met with senior leadership at Genworth, talked to them. Uh, a lot of people don't understand um, the importance of a, of a structured settlement to payees, particularly if you're an executive or a regulator. You know, uh, NASTA puts a face on this. Um, we did that, you know, NASTA hired uh, Tom McGonigal with uh, Drinker Biddle. Um, it's, uh, it's funny, walking through uh, the Delaware Department of Insurance with Tom McGonigal is like walking through Hollywood with a, with a rock star. Everybody knows him. Uh, he worked with the governor there, uh, but we met with the regulators to uh, make our concerns known and get their assurance that they would uh, be mindful of our payees. Um, you know, what other choice do we have? Um, that's part of what we're, we're tasked to do. But we have found out that if we're proactive, there's a lot we can do in advance. Uh, John, let me interrupt you real quick. It's just say yeah. that it, had you and Len uh, not taken the time to go down to Virginia and, and meet with the, the Genworth folks, had, had you not persuaded the board to retain uh, Tom McGonagall, and I agree with you completely as a stellar attorney, um, uh, it's it's not just letting people know we exist. That's not it. You became advocates for a, a course of action to protect injured people, structured settlement recipients. I mean, it's, and you didn't, I'm going to guess there's no money in this for you. There's no benefit for you to get, make certain that the oceanwide um, merger goes through with Genworth, unless you own stock. The, it's the protection of the integrity, the value, um, the guarantee that we talk about so often with the structured settlements could get wiped away had those meetings not occurred and had you not been successful in making those messages understood and appreciated. And that's just it. I, I think, um, you know, when you think about injured folks, um, you know, brokers do a fantastic job. Uh, defense brokers, plaintiff brokers, they, they do an amazing job uh, getting the case settled, getting the person the structured settlement to take care of them, and then they go on to the next case. Um, NASTA is sort of the voice for them after that, if something should start to go south, right? Uh, these are, you think about who the payees are, um, these aren't people with financial means or lawyers uh, or political clout. So uh, it's really our role to be their voice. Um, and when you're looking at uh, things like mergers and corporate acquisitions, um, you know, structured settlements are the center of our world, but they're not the only product in a, in a big life company. So, you know, we have to be the voice to make sure that we're not uh, missed uh, in the confusion. Uh, but as we've discussed, and we might want to touch on next, you know, there's going to be a happy ending to this uh, long running Genworth saga. Well, let me just ask you a real quick aside. What, is, what do you think the other um, large players, uh, life companies in our industry, what do you think they think um, about in getting involved in issues like this? Do they see this as a commitment 
uh, to the long-term future and strength of structured settlements? Oh, sure, sure. I mean, the, the life insurers, um, you know, again, just going back to things like Elney and uh, Reliance, you know, those uh, positive endings wouldn't have happened without the life insurance companies in our space. They played uh, major roles in, in making sure things happen, whether that's, you know, financial contribution, whether it's interfacing with uh, ACLI, or regulators, lobbyists, um, they're, a, they're a powerful ally. And, you know, they have a vested interest, you know, they're not just for themselves, but for the industry as a whole, we got, uh, we're fortunate. We have great uh, life insurance uh, partners in our space. This is uh, probably the longest running um, M&A issue in Wall Street history, or certainly close to it. I can remember uh, specifically 16 delays. Um, there may, may be off one or two. I'm just of getting the merger to completion. Um, are we in the home stretch? Can, can you see uh, in your crystal ball right now, which I know you have one, by the way, um, and tell us, um, are we close to a merger? We are. Um, so, you know, it was really a, 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 to plagiarize the children's book, a series of unfortunate events. And um, the de-stacking or unstacking, which triggered reapprovals, um, other approvals couldn't be done. Um, Genworth was forced to sell their Canadian operation because they couldn't get through Canada's uh, security requirements. Uh, we looked like we were moving forward around the 12th or 13th merger extension, and then COVID hit. And COVID had a dramatic uh, negative impact on Oceanwide's ability to raise capital. Uh, they're through that now, um, but for a while, you know, it looked like it might not happen. There was a provision in the 15th merger extension that Genworth could, without penalty, go their own way, and they were looking at doing an IPO of their mortgage insurance business. Um, but we're through that. Uh, Oceanwide has uh, provided uh, proof of their uh, financing, the $2.7 purchase price, um, in the meantime, uh, Genworth senior leadership and, and, you know, really a shout out to them. Uh, they've done a fine job of rehabilitating the company on their own. Um, they've pushed through uh, in the last uh, uh, five, six years, $13.5 billion in rate increases on their long-term care block. And for the first time I've seen since I've been watching Genworth, their LTC business actually posted a profit in 2020. Wow. And uh, their operate their uh, net operating income is something like 418 million this year so far. Um, so Genworth uh, is a, is a much different company than it was uh, four years ago. Uh, it looks like there may be one more extension only because the current extension runs out at the end of December, and uh, between U.S. and Chinese holidays, it's going to make it uh, challenging. Uh, but there's really no more hurdles. They just received um, uh, an approval from the Chinese uh, regulators. Um, there's one more approval with their currency conversion. So the government has to approve currency going outside of China. Um, that's really the last, uh, it's called SAFE. Uh, then after that, it's simply the Delaware approval and uh, the merger will be finished. And this I is an amazing, amazing story. It really is. Uh, John, we've got to wrap it up, but is you anything you want to add before we close out? 
Um, only that, uh, you know, a lot of folks hear stuff like this and they, you know, what the trade association has done for reliance and Elney and, uh, the monitoring of Genworth. And I usually hear the response. I had no idea. Um, and, uh, I sort of liken it to the, uh, instruction manual in your car. It's fully useful information, but only if you read it, um, you know, we probably should do a better job communicating some of the technical things, but, uh, I would say to folks, um, a lot of good information to glean at the, the legal committee, the, the regional and annual meetings, um, and uh, that the, the trade association is doing what it's always done, which is protect the business. Well, John, at a critical time in our industry's history, uh, uh, you stood up. Uh, I remember Jeff Hunt was working with you at the time from Ringler. Ross Duncan, as a board member, was signed to work on the committee. You guys identified you know, the attorneys, Tom McConaughey. Um, the board had your, the full backing and support um, as a special project initiative. And I don't think a group of structured settlement industry leaders um, has ever uh, worked more effectively uh, for more people uh, and produced such a positive result than you all have. Um, it's a real testament to your skill and commitment um, and your leadership. And I just want to thank you on behalf of the entire industry. Um, this has been an amazing saga. If you're ever going to write a book, John, this might be it. I don't know about a book, but maybe I'll be a Genworth analyst after all that. But uh, uh, thank you, Eric. Uh, certainly uh, appreciate the board uh, stepping up the way they have. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, you know, Craig Ullman's efforts, Len Blonder, um, you know, Jeff Hunt, uh, might have been the only person to thoroughly read all the financials and information I sent over, um, but it's been a real uh, team effort from uh, from everybody, and uh, that's when we do the best when we're all uh, we're all in it together. Well, every successful team has a great team leader, and that's you, John McCullough. That's the end of us today, and we look forward to uh, seeing you again in the near future. John, stay safe, stay happy, happy holidays. Thanks. Same to you. Thanks for listening to Settle Smart, a podcast from the National Structured Settlements Trade Association. We invite you to visit our website at nssta.com to find out more about our members and our mission to help you settle smart.